1: Welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It's great to bring back, it's a delight to bring back Brandon Weikert. Brandon J. Weikert is the author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, and most recently, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. A senior editor at 1945.com, active on Twitter, XTwix, at WeTheBrandon. Brandon, welcome back. How are you, sir?
2: Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you?
1: Doing fine, I think. We're all kind of holding on by cobwebs based on the, <laughs> <laughs> based, on the based on the community at least I hang out in and get calls from. I don't know about yeah. you in, in Florida.
2: Yeah, well, definitely uh it's definitely uh It's always darkest before it's totally black, as
1: Mao (laughs) used to say. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, we have cobwebs. West you
2: as John McCain used to say, that Mao used to say. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. Yes, I know. I know. Well, let's hope it's not darkest then. Um, All right. There's a lot to talk to you about. Um, and I'm not sure where to start. Except let's start with an institution you know a lot about, and you highlighted on your uh, Twix feed, which is this 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 weird this weird thing over at the State Department, <laughs> which I guess the staffers think they're in charge. But the language they use is pretty interesting. It's almost as if it was written by the Nation magazine.
2: Yeah. Well, it would probably was. Yeah, I mean, it may have been. Guys, yeah. These guys and gals and intersex people, they all use, uh, you know, they all read uh, uh, the uh, the liberal rags that, that constitute the, quote, mainstream media, end quote. And so, uh, you know, th- th- this is one big example of the so-called deep state. I like the administrative state. That's the term I prefer. Sure. Yeah, let's but stick with what, what, it. Whatever. Way whatever you prefer, this is yet another example of the permanent D.C. establishment thinks that they actually should be running the show because they know so much more than us simpletons and the fruited plain, uh, and uh, the people in the State Department have more interest in uh, you know preserving the national interests of Morocco than they do of the United States, or now, as we're seeing, Uh, preserving the interests of Iran and Hamas uh, than they do the United States. They hate Israel. But, I mean, if you were to read these dissent cables, which, by the way, the dissent cable is a wonderful tool when it's used properly. This is the place where professional diplomats used to be able to share their opposition to a policy uh, that a government was taking, that our government was taking without any fear of retribution. However, very often when it was used during Republic, I mean during Democrat administrations, uh, by, let's say some conservative elements within the State Department, which there aren't many, uh, the people who were dissenting the Democrats uh, would be punished. Uh, the ones dissenting Republican administrations, such as the George W. Bush, administration or the Reagan administration, they would be venerated in the media as, you know, noble people. It's very interesting now to see, though, the liberals, the far left members of the State Department permanent bureaucracy are now uh, dissenting against a fellow Democrat uh Joe Biden and it's really strange to me because in my opinion Joe Biden hasn't really been that great in supporting Israel and our traditional Sunni Arab allies in the Middle East so it shows you how radical ideologically these people in the permanent bureaucracy of the State Department are they really do side with Hamas and Hezbollah and, and the jihadists and the Islamists and Iran against Israel. And this is another example, Seth, you and I have spoken about quite a bit, of the growing red-green ideological access here in the United States.
1: Yeah, so this is a um, a memo that dissidents, I guess, at the State Department have leaked to the public, or at least to some of the media, And it's to undermine or at least uh, show that uh, they don't agree with some of the public statements Antony Blinken and Joe Biden have made on the Israel-Gaza conflict. The language, as I go back to Brandon, is odd as heck. Here's a sentence. When Israel supports settler violence and illegal land seizures, is that what's – are we talking about that? Is that that what we're talking about right now? There are no settlers in Gaza. Right. haven't been for 18 right. years. There hasn't right. been any land seizure right. in 18 years. They go, we must communicate publicly this goes against American values so that Israel does not act with impunity. When right. has Israel ever acted with impunity? Is there right. a country that gets more criticism from the United Nations?
2: Yeah. Uh, no, other than maybe the United States itself when a Republican is running it. Okay. Um, but uh, no, and this is another example of, I think, actually the far left doing what they always do, uh, trying to bully what they think may be a weakening Democratic Party president into taking a very radical position. Uh, and furthermore, you're right. The, the, you know, the, this is very obvious. There are elements of our government that wants Israel to be destroyed, that wants to see Israel humiliated, and they don't even understand what they're talking about because there are no settlers in Gaza. There have not been any Israelis in Gaza since 2005, Seth. That's almost 20 years. Uh, you know, this, it's insane. Furthermore, uh, Barack Obama, you know, reared his head out from whatever hole in Martha's Vineyard he was hiding in and decided to do the both sides argument over the weekend uh, you know, he says, like all these liberals that we're talking about, that, but in, in the case of Obama, most certainly, he says the the things that dumb people think smart people would say. Right, right. Okay, and he's, he's clearly directing this. This is not um, a coincidence that all this dissent and anti-Israeli fervor is coming from these bastions on the far left right when uh, Barack Obama, the man that was labeled as heading the shadow government against Trump during the Trump years in Calorama, uh, the the posh suburb of D.C. where Obama has lived since leaving the White House, um, this is all part of a coordinated effort to destroy Israel on the diplomatic stage. I
1: was on a phone call with a bunch of Washington types earlier this morning trying to make heads or tails. I wasn't. uh, Everyone was. Trying to make heads or tails of what to what to read from that Obama release from that podcast he did. And oh. it made some television and and someone said this is very someone smart said this is very standard Obama. It you is you know, uh he does he the does. they say X and the other said says Y, but here's right. why it's Z. Well,
2: and, well he, he yeah. says nothing. But I, I, I almost dissent from
1: that though. I think he speaks very cleverly. In a way that is sent as a signal. So when he used the word occupation, he uses the word occupation. Yes. That is not the relevant word, again, as you said, hasn't been the case for 20 years.
2: Well, they're purposely conflating because they are trying to delegitimize the Israeli... This is why I wrote that piece. I don't know if you saw it. Yes, yes, I want to get to it. Yeah, I want to get to it. Because we're about a month in from this horrible attack in Israel, and already the powers that be in the West are pressuring Israel as if Israel's the aggressor here. And Obama clearly said Israel in the long run is the aggressor, which, of course, is insane, Seth. It is, particularly when we're talking about Gaza, it is insane. But that's Barack Obama. You know, he said this in the speech I posted on Twitter over the weekend. A more humorous version of what he was doing was a clip from Larry David's show Uh, When they were making fun of people who say, having said that, you know, basically negating, you know, equivocating and negating. Yeah. With all due
1: respect. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. So that they can always win the argument and they can always appear to be the smartest person in the room. But I want to reiterate to your audience. Obama is the guy, he says the things that dumb people think smart people say, but it's actually really not that smart what he's saying.
1: No, I agree with you, but I also want to reinforce this point that I think it was very deliberate that he used the word occupation in this context. And the reason is occupation in this context means river sea. That's the only context occupation means. It's not, no well, one is talking Obama, about the West Bank right now. No Obama
2: one. Obama and Rashida Tlaib right. are the same person right. in this case.
1: Well, let me come back to her on the other side of this break, and then I want to get oh, to God. your column. <laughs> Something to look forward to. <laughs> it's an old line in Monty Python it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. Brandon J. Weichert is my guest. He spells his last name W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, author of several books, foreign policy expert, also writes a lot on domestic, um, and uh, his most recent book, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Uh, Brandon, I want to talk about the Tlaib situation for a moment, Rashida Tlaib for just a moment, and then get to your current column at 1945 or 1945.com if I can. So mm-hmm. she's been saying and tweeting about from the river to the Sea. people called yeah. her out about it, and she writes in defense, it's an aspir I'm quoting her, it's an aspirational call for freedom, human rights and peaceful coexistence, not death, destruction, or hate. Peaceful coexistence with who? <laughs> Jordan, Syria, <laughs> Lebanon, River to sea, River to sea comes from the Hamas Charter. Right. Par- paragraph 20, from the river to the sea, it means the West Bank River of Jordan, right. and it means the Mediterra- Mediterranean uh, Sea, which is the area Israel is in, which is also part of the 1947 partition plan. It means yep. no Israel. That's simply that's what, what it, it means. means. It is a one-state right. solution, sans Israel. Yeah. That's
2: Well, yeah, that's what, that's, that's what the one-state solution really is. It's about— um, making the Jews a minority in, the own, in their own land and then basically using, quote-unquote, democracy run by the Islamists to long-term annihilate the Jewish population. Uh, you know, it's aspirational. Yeah. I was saying this to somebody the other day. It's aspirational in the sense that Hitler's plans of killing all the Jews was aspirational. You know, it, it's a horrible thing to aspire to, but it is asp- they are aspiring to it nonetheless. Um, And, you know, I don't think that the Israeli government is very far off when they liken Hamas to the Nazis. I really don't. And I think that they're not. I think that we need to go one farther and say that Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, uh, Iran, by extension, all have an amen corner in the U.S. government. And it's the Democratic Party and the liberals in the administrative state here and in the U.N., where they just elevated Iran to the head of the human rights council right. i mean i mean this is this is insane well imagine imagine if in the middle of the second world war even before the us got involved if we had allowed the nazis and the and the german uh, uh, you know hierarchy to have the kind of influence over our government that we allow Hamas and Hezbollah and the Council of the, you know, CARE and Iran to have over our government today. Remember, the House on American Activities Committee was actually begun not to hunt down communists. It was actually begun under FDR's term to hunt down suspected Nazi agents of influence in the United States. This is something that people don't remember. It eventually became, yes, going after communists as well. But one of its primary missions before that was to go after Nazis in America. And so we, in the in this country, it's like we're allowing the Nazis to have unfettered influence over our government and our politics. And look at what is happening. The most radical members of the Democratic Party who clearly want to destroy Israel or want to see Israel destroyed, like Rashida Tlaib, are being venerated and being elevated in the halls of power, while those, even like John Fetterman, who's a kook in his own right, Right. who's pro-Israel, though, much to his credit, he's being alienated and now mocked by the very same people who up until two weeks ago were defending him.
1: Thirty Americans, let us not forget, 30 Americans were killed here. Thirty Americans were killed in this attack on October 7th and it it would be like very were much, taken captive by the way and 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 a dozen in captivity it would be much like it would be much like in your analogy a member of congress in uh 1941 2 3 or 4 or 5 standing up and holding rallies in america saying arbeit macht frei being called out right. on it and saying it's aspirational
2: Right. Right. We right. think We're work, sure is, a is, yeah. right. work <laughs> is a good thing. aspiration. <laughs> right. Work is a good thing. But, you know, I think it shows you the stupefaction of of our politics in America, because I can tell you, I was in college, what, 15 years ago. Uh, you know, last time I was in college as a student, um, an undergraduate, you know, was 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 back then. Um, and they were saying stuff like this at DePaul's campus in Chicago. Yum. This was—I mean, we had students for justice in Palestine who who attempted to get rid of my favorite hummus brand uh, <laughs> on campus, and I fought them. And I made it onto the Daily Show with Jon Stewart. My group, my Republican group, did at DePaul because we were so violently opposed to them taking away our hummus. <laughs> and when I confronted the president. Of SJP, she told me, "Oh, Brandon, that don't you know it's made with the blood of Palestinian children?" I said, "What are you talking about?" But they believe these. Do things. they believe it? Do they actually believe it? I think, in the case of in the, in my experience, I think they were stupid enough and they were crazy enough to actually think that there was an element of cannibalism going on. Just like the Japanese people in World War II on those islands we were invading really believed the Marines were going to eat them for dinner if they, if they allowed themselves to be taken captive by the Marines. People have been propagandized. They're zombies. They're intellectual zombies, and they've been made that way by indoctrination in the le- by the left.
1: Do you think that's what's behind the people taking down posters, too? Do they think they don't exist? Do they think this is made up?
2: Uh, the hostages, who, the,
1: the pictures of hostages that people oh, are yeah, taking.
2: I'm sure. I'm sure the people on the street, 99.9 percent of them, really believe this is a psyop. Yeah. But this isn't legit. Now, the people who are funding these movements, they absolutely know what they're doing. Yeah, but course. the people that we're getting the pictures of, who are ripping these posters down, I think most of them are just useful idiots. There's zombies. They're no better than a zombie. They don't have any—they're they just operating off of feeling. It feels good to be doing what they're doing, to stand up against what they think is the great lie. And, of course, they're serving the, the big lie. The big lie is the left. It's not the right.
1: What I'd like to do is now transfer that and see if we can't educate these people a little bit with your piece, Hamas is the enemy— right? That's the piece you were referring to at 1945. Let me just refer that people to that website, 1945.com. That's how it's spelled out on the web, 1945.com, where Brandon Wykert is a um, senior editor. Uh, There's a lot in there, Brandon. It's a good 101. Um, and, um, And I guess I would start with it this way. Start with it a little bit about how, after October 7th, people expected Israel to react and how they are reacting. Because the calls are fast and furious right. about human rights violations and violations of international norms of law, international rules of, of law, the Geneva Conventions. And I swear to you, if, I, if, if, if you didn't wait for the end of the sentence, you'd think people would be talking about Hamas and Gaza, Ooh. but they're not. Let me right. do this on the other side of the break. Let me take sure. a quick commercial break and uh, and have you address yourself to that in your great column at 1945.com. Brandon Weikert and I will be right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest, author of several books, including Shadow War, his most recent uh, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Brandon, so I'm hearing these calls and talk about violations of international law and war crimes. It's it's kind of like, I guess if I were in the market for a new car and I took a friend to go with me and there were only two dealers and one was a VW dealership and one was a Ferrari dealership. And my friend said, well, what do you want? And I said, I want fast. I want sexy. I want hot. And he said, OK, let's go to the VW dealership. You know, um,
2: I hope you don't get in any trouble with that one. But, yes, <laughs> I, I, you know what I
1: mean? I mean, I hear international uh, violations of international law, human rights, and, and and thus we must sanction and call back Israel. It's very right. odd.
2: Well, I mean, it, I think part of it is because so many leaders in the West are actually afraid of the Muslim Arab populations they've spent the last 50 years importing from that part of the world. I mean, we already see in Germany these Muslim young people saying that in another 10 to 20 years, Muslims will be the majority in Germany, and they're going to vote to impose Sharia law, and uh, they're going to you know, end German law. And we're seeing that pattern play out. So I think some of the reason behind a lot of the Western leaders trying to restrain Israel after Israel was attacked unprovoked Uh, is because I think they are cynical and they are worried that if they're not careful, there could be a real uprising uh, in their own countries from these rabid Muslim Arab populations they've imported. Beyond that, though, like we were talking about earlier, there is a real growing ideological parity and partnership between um, Islamic fundamentalists and the Democratic Party here in the United States and the more liberal parties and other Western countries, the sort of globalists, are aligning bizarrely with this Islamist movement that's going global. And so they want to restrain Israel. There's another thing also. It's easy to restrain Israel compared to Hamas, Hezbollah, Islamic Jihad, because Israel's a real country. And so they have to follow certain international norms, or at least they're supposed to. And since they're a democratic with a lowercase d, liberal with a lowercase l, democracy, uh, they try to do the right thing. And we're even seeing this today with how they're holding themselves back from going totally, you know, total Roman on Gaza, and they're sort of being very selective and judicious about how they target these, these sites in uh, Gaza. Now, if it had been me personally, I said this to you, I think right after the attack, given that it doesn't seem like Israel can do anything that won't elicit the kind of criticism from the West or the kinds of, of diplomatic, uh, you know, tying of the hands that the West is trying to do to Israel, if it had been me, I would have told Netanyahu, you're going to get blamed no matter what. You're going to get, you're gonna, they're going to try to restrain you no matter what. They're going to try to threaten you because they're so afraid of these Muslims that they've unleashed. I said, why don't we, I would say, just just blow up all of Gaza. Just flatten it. Don't waste your time with a ground invasion, which is going to give the media the images of dead Palestinian children that they're going to use to try to say, this is worse than what Israel went through on October 7th. I would have just said, flatten the whole thing, no rules of war, just obliterate the whole area and let those people understand you are not allowed to do this kind of attack on October 7th. And once more, you all now, we're going to destroy where you live, so you have to go to the Arab lands nearby. And that's what I would have done, because now you're looking at it, the Americans under Biden are trying to restrain Israel. Israel hasn't even really done anything yet. I mean, this is insane. The Europeans are trying to restrain Israel. The Russians are trying to restrain Israel. The Chinese are trying to restrain Israel. And, of course, the Iranians are trying to restrain Israel. The one group that maybe is verbally trying to restrain Israel, but actually over the weekend took a bold step and saved Israel from a massive missile attack, was the, the Arab government in Saudi Arabia when they deflected a massive missile barrage that came from Yemen, the Houthi rebels who are Iranian-backed, and was going over Saudi territory to hit Israel, the, the Saudis intercepted the missile barrage and took it out. And so it's very interesting to see actually who is on Israel's side. And sadly, it isn't the Biden administration, despite whatever they may say publicly.
1: Let me take a quick break and uh, do a, do a larger, larger segment with you on the other side of this uh, commercial sure. break. Brandon Weikert is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Brandon Weikert is my guest. Brandon, on October eighth, most of the people I talked to who weren't fully, you know, aren't aren't, aren't scholars like you or, or you know, fully studied on all these issues, they assumed Israel was going they they assumed they assumed Israel was going to carpet bomb Gaza. They assumed that. They and should've they, and they assumed it with a passivity like that's what a normal country would do. Uh, right. Turn it into a parking lot. That was the conversation. Israel, of course, waited three weeks before it went in. It is going to go in in a way that will put more Israelis' lives at risk, of course, and already have. And, um, and you're right, uh, there will be no credit given uh, for the way they conduct their war. It's going to be a war that's going to be fought by the terrorists on the ground and by the media. You are going to see more and more pictures. you got to watch out for some of these pictures, by the way, uh, some of these generated pictures. You you know how you know you're in the midst of propaganda is when you have a child going into the hospital who has six fingers or right. when you see a body bag and the person is on their cell phone. So you kind of got to be a, you, you, that, that – th- there is a propaganda effort here. And it's not to say that there aren't going to be atrocities, but I was telling a caller last it's week. It's not going to be
2: Israel perpetrating them. It's going to be the, the, the well, there is a cause. doing it to their this. own people.
1: There is a cause for this, and and there is a way to stop it, by the way. There's a way to stop it. Turn over the terrorists and release the hostages. doesn't seem right. like a lot to ask.
2: Well, you know what's really funny is this is exactly the argument the administration made right after 9-11. They called up the Taliban and said, hey, look. You keep saying you're not involved, so you know where bin Laden and al-Qaeda right. are. Hand them over, and we won't do anything. Right. And the Taliban gave us a finger. Right. So, I mean, it shows you, at the end of the day, whether the Taliban were intimately involved or not, the fact of the matter is Islamists are going to stick together, the same way that usually communists in the Cold War would stick together. And so the notion that we can... You know, unfortunately, we can't just pick up the phone and tell Hamas, look, or, or, or you know, whatever, you know, hand over these, these those responsible and we won't kill you. Well, it, again, the, you're dealing with a group of people in these Islamist movements who invite death, who think that death is a good thing, who believe that death will liberate them and also will serve their cause more than life will. And that tells you the kind of people we are dealing with these are these are evil doers. I hate that term because George W. Bush ruined it, but it's true. In this case, they are truly evil, evil, evil people, and you cannot compromise or negotiate with evil. You can't.
1: The two state solution you say is an obscenity. Would you like to say a word about that?
2: Uh, yeah, there should be a no state solution for Palestinian Arabs ever. They have proven over what seventy years now. That they are incapable of governing, and their entire raison d'etre appears to be the annihilation and massacre of Jews. And when I say the annihilation of massacre of Jews, I don't mean targeting IDF military facilities. I mean killing babies in the you know. I mean uh, you know hurting women. I mean uh, you know taking the men and doing you know making them into whatever. And and this is not. And the elderly remember what they did to the elderly as well this is not um a group that is interested in negotiating or working in a legitimate framework this is a group that is the incarnation of nazism and you do not deal with nazis you kill them that's what you do with nazis
1: i was uh talking to someone who like you, knows the State Department world and and all that. And he said, you know, he, he he was kind of ancillary to some of the Oslo kind of stuff. He said, you know, the reason Arafat and then Abbas turned down all these proposals is the only thing that keeps them alive is the notion of resistance. The only reason they exist right now as an entity of any kind is because they are believed to be resistors. The moment they agree to a state or right. to a full and unequivocal recognition of Israel. Their fate is on War Sadat's fate.
2: That's right. And furthermore, if they did get a, a state, we've already seen with Gaza, where they had elections and the people of the area were able to choose their government in 2006, and they chose Hamas to lead them. Now, maybe Hamas destroyed democracy immediately thereafter, and maybe it was a, a bad election. Maybe it was a rigged election, because Islamists never play fair. But at the end of the day, when they were given the opportunity, the Palestinian Arabs of Gaza chose their government, and they chose Hamas. And if they are given an actual state where you know Israel has to cede territory, you know land for peace, which is what they've been doing for 60 years to no avail, but if they do that and they create a real Palestinian state, it will be the world's first pre-failed state, because they will elect people to lead them who do not care about building roads and bridges and schools. They only care about killing Jews. That's all they care about. And that is not the, that is not a, a functional state. It will become a, a giant Somalia on the eastern med. And that is the last thing that we need. And you're right. They're being used as cannon fodder. The, the, the Palestinian Arabs are only good and only supported by the Iranians and the Islamists of the Arab world, because they are viewed as expendable, as disposable people to be deployed in a first strike against Israel, human wave style. And that is what you're dealing with here. That's why Hezbollah and Hamas and Islamic Jihad and even Fatah has the support that they have in the Muslim world, because they are expendable, disposable people, and they treat their own people as expendable and disposable people.
1: That's really the crime and the shame of it. I mean, that really is the crime and the shame of it. I mean, there is, is there is a blame for where the human rights fault lines lie. There is a solution— It's not
2: Israel. That's well, the there's a, there, it, is a, there is off. an
1: example in sharp relief. Look at the Arabs in Israel proper right now and the life they exactly. have and what Arab in any part That's of the right. world outside of a royal dynasty wouldn't prefer right. to live there.
2: Well, furthermore, I think that the, the Arab party— in the Nefet, which is Israel's uh, parliamentary uh, body, yep. they have a major role to play. Of course. Um, d- you know, when there was all this issue with Netanyahu, you yes. know, who was going to succeed him. That was the Arab party. That actually was the swing vote in many cases. And they did the right thing, They what they thought, which was, you know, some of them turned on Netanyahu, which I don't agree with. But they did. They, they operated as a legitimate party. They didn't take up arms. They didn't take to the streets, even. They just voted, and they stood with who they thought would be best. Um, And you have many examples of of Arabs living in Israel. You have uh, Israeli judges who are Arabs. You have Israeli leaders who are actually Arabs. You have Arabs who were killed. There's a story of a a cab driver in one of the cities that Hamas attacked on October 7th, and the Hamas people pulled him over, and he said, I'm a a Muslim, I'm an Arab. And they said, are you from Jerusalem? And, he's, and he said yes. And they said, "Do you have family in Jerusalem?" He said, "Of course." And they shot him because he was an apostate in their eyes.
1: Collaborator. I gotta, he, right, I gotta run. Right. I gotta run. Love you, Brandon Weikert. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless. Yep. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, and thanks for spending some time with us. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y Refi. Do you trust this economy? How about a secure investment that actually helps? Why ReFi has that? You can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. You are in control, you can turn your income on or off, compound it whatever you like, with absolutely no fees. You can have peace of mind. There is no attack on principal if you ever need your money back you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that may be a better option for you than where you have your money now. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24. 888-Y-REFI-24. Folks all over the country are earning a high fixed rate of return with Yrefi. refi They don't care about what happens with the stock market or the Fed because it's not correlated to it, and you can do well by doing good com or 888-YREFI-24. Let him know that um, Seth sent you. Um, for those of you that uh, want to see a little bit more, you, you guys know Josh Hammer. He's been on my show many a time. He's a, he's a senior editor at large with Newsweek. We have a piece over at the American Mind, great smart website, AmericanMind.org, on free speech and the campuses and what's going on right now in relation— to um, to the uh, fight in uh, Israel and uh, Gaza and the uh, From the River to the Sea chants. Take a look at it, uh, AmericanMind.org. You can also get it off my or Josh Hammer's Twitter feed. It was a privilege to work with Josh. He's a great uh, political and legal scholar. And uh, thank my friend uh, Steve, who encouraged us to do this. Um, thanks again for being with us. Until tomorrow... I'm Seth Liebson for David Dahl and the rest. God bless you all. And class is dismissed. I'm not done yet. Oh, how much time do I have? I lost my clock. I have another. What? What do I have? All right. (laughs) Until tomorrow, God bless you all. And class is dismissed.